you're tuned to The Trail Show. Get on the trail! Long-time listener, first-time caller. Arriba, 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 tota! It's The Trail Show. Bam! Ah! Featuring Lawton Disco Grinter. Never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. Felicia P.O.D. Hermosillo. I'm against historical trash. Mike Dilo DiLorenzo. Embrace the brutality. Daniel Out of Order Alvarez. What's up, Trail Show? And now broadcasting live from Boulder, Colorado, it's The Trail Show. Coming to you live from the Bobby Stanton Studio in various historic Colorado and Arizona beer districts, this is The Trail Show. The Trail Show is the longest-running monthly hiking podcast on the planet and has been downloaded over one million times all over the globe. We are on air, on demand, and heard worldwide on all your favorite apps and at thetrailshow.com. We welcome you all tonight to our spring Equinoxapalooza. I don't know what that means, but I do know that we have a very special guest for tonight's Trail of the Month that you're really going to enjoy listening to. Before we get to that, P.O.D., can you tell us what's on the menu tonight? Yes. We're going to be talking about grapefruits, mosquitoes, firearms, farts, and interesting uses for tent stakes. Sounds like a great show. Yeah. Can't wait to to get in. Sounds like a very unique show, like a show that's never been done before. I feel like we're (laughs) taking a new direction with the tent stakes. Hello, can you uh, tell farts. us about your beer of the month, sir? Tonight's beer of the month is something that I don't have in front of me because well, I think I drank the my last my my wait. last beers of the month. Looks like tonight's beer of the month is from Walking Tree Brewery, the Treasure Kolsch. Out of Vero Beach, Vero Beach, oh, Florida, ladies right. bu- and gentlemen. We've got a bunch of Florida Ooh. beers. Mm-hmm. Tonight's beer, tonight's Kolsch is comes in at a whopping 5.5% alcohol by volume in a 16-ounce fluid can. And let's see. Oh, my gosh. Treasure Kolsch is a beer you can easily have a few of while you are searching for booty. Stop shaking. <laughs> Be it sunken Whoa. in the sea or I'm talking to your husband there with his hand. Um, oh, I thought you were telling the booty to shake. Yeah, I mean, it's booty. That's not what it's supposed to do. Now it starts to start shaking. Shaking that. Shaking Make it clap. Shaking that. Shaking that. Uh, a crisp ale featuring a light maltiness with a subtle honey sweetness. Pairs well with sporting events. A walk with your dog. Sporting or apparently, events. or arr, all kinds of pirate activity. Stay rooted out there. Keep shaking it. Shaking it. Shaking it. So we have to thank... Uh, two people for tonight's beverages. We have to thank the the weekend, mm-hmm. and not the, um, we not have, the week. We also have oh. to thank no, not Monday to Friday. Trail Show VIP Trip the Light, Tom McGee. Trip the Light. Many, many thanks for tonight's beverages, sir. And and the weekend also sent us a bunch of grapefruits. Weren't there oranges in there? No, they were oranges from Florida. No oranges. Amazing. Uh, Max really? got all the oranges. From and the I bottom. saved the mags. You sent them to no. Max? Oh. I saved one grapefruit to share with Disco because he was out of town and he got back and then I still didn't share it. I just yeah, I had none of the grapefruits. <laughs> huh. You just they ate it in front of him. Oh, they were so the good. 
Man, there was citrus a, in the air. Uh, I haven't eaten a grapefruit in so long. I think I'm gonna buy some when I go grocery shopping. They're so, well, these ones are amazing because they were yeah. like picked from. Oh, I know. Oh, so straight good. off, straight off the tree in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Straight out of Florida. The Bobby Stanton Studio in Arizona has a grapefruit tree in its really? backyard. Yeah, wow. in the backyard. Wow. You gotta I've water seen. that thing like crazy or what? I have done nothing to it except eat the grapefruits. (laughs) I guess citrus trees are very drought tolerant, right? Yeah, they are. They grow grapefruits in Texas, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Pretty dry there, too. It's awful hot where Triple O lives. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have trail news. Here it is. We've got several couple stories and uh, a couple of quickies. Okay, first of all, the Alda West Ruck is being held on March 24th. It's a virtual ruck. It's a digital ruck? It's a digital ruck. So if you go to aldawest.org, you can uh, register there. It's so you, March is it going to be in the metaverse? Like, do you, yes. hike, do you hike digitally in the metaverse? Yep. Then you can get digital hiking friends i guess i don't know wait a minute nobody's ever discussed digital hiking in the metaverse that could be actually very useful to solve Mm. the permit issues on the pacific crest yes i agree i mean is it going to be the central land or the sandbox like how how is nobody how has nobody discussed we need someone to do a through hike through the metaverse and then we can feature it as our trail of the month (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute if you through hike through the metaverse yeah you actually don't really need to go anywhere yeah right. that's right logistics are great and yeah. supplies right in your any time of year yeah. yep you weather could do doesn't that. matter you could do that in a grocery store parking lot with so that you a, could just resupply yeah, very easily totally wow anyway so yeah march 24th at 5 p.m pacific standard time allthewest.org to register for that ruck okay on to the news we've got some survivalists in trouble what yes <sighs> A BC man who gained over a half million YouTube followers is facing several charges after he allegedly crossed into Banff National Park to hunt, fish, light fires, and shoot guns during a 30-day survival challenge. (laughs) Gregory Ovens faces six charges connected to illegal fishing, hunting in a park, discharging a firearm in a park, lighting an illegal fire, damaging or destroying natural objects. He's also alleged to have breached the Canada National Park Act for flying a drone without a permit. He and his videographer, Zachary Fowler, were contestants on a survival reality TV show, and Ovens won the season and walked away with $500,000 and then created his YouTube channel with this other guy, uh, Zachary Fowler. As as some of his videos have upwards of 200,000 views. Doubtful that Ovens and Zachary are going to be clicking subscribe to the fines or smashing the like button about the community service and possible sell time that's in store. But perhaps a survivalist roadside trash cleanup video is in the works. <laughs> DBD. Oh, nice, nice smashing of the like button reference there, POD. Yeah, I watch all so, the YouTube, so I know this stuff. You is know, that a th- that's a thing now. Smash the like button. I guess yeah, so. they all oh, say. Yeah. They all say. So, like, you know, I I know Canadian national parks are probably somewhat different to U.S. national parks, but I would bet dollars to donuts that they're also very similar. And discharging of firearms, flying of drones—these are all things you cannot do in a national park. Yeah, and I I would say I I would say that yeah 
this goes back to kind of the leave no trace deal and, and being responsible. When you have videos that are getting 200,000 follow you know, views, you better be sure that you're doing stuff correctly. That's right. right. You've got a I magnifying mean, glass on you. Well, and not, not just because they're going to get caught, but because all these people are watching you and thinking yeah, that's the way you do sure. that. Right. So you have to be a good example. That's right. And you cannot break the law and that's especially right. on film on your right. YouTube channel. Right. I was just going to say, that's like giving the authorities yeah. the, the evidence that they need to charge yeah, you with the crimes right. that you committed. You're like, oh, yep. oops, uh, sorry about that. Yep. So the other thing is uh, there's this uh, research uh, that's being done that talks about how mosquitoes prefer certain colors when they're drunk on CO2. So uh, Diego Alonso San Alberto and Claire Rush at the University of Washington found that when exposed to carbon dioxide, yellow fever mosquitoes developed a heightened sensitivity to particular colors like red, orange, black, and cyan. Cyan's like a turquoise color. Um, these are predominantly long wavelength colors. So as a result, they flew faster and dwelled longer around those colors. Meanwhile, they remained indifferent to other colors on the spectrum, such as green, purple, blue, and white. So basically what happened is they had these color dots in a cage with mosquitoes, and they also had human hands. They had all the color dots. And when there was no CO2 present, the mosquitoes didn't really, they didn't notice anything, not even the human hand. They didn't go for it at all. And apparently all pigmentations of skin colors uh, have a long wavelength um, color. No matter what pigmentation you have in your skin, it, it emits a long wavelength, just like orange, black, red, and cyan. So when they introduced CO2, the mosquitoes flocked towards those long wavelength colors because they mimic the long wavelength of human skin and probably other types of mammal skin. So, I mean, I guess the, the uh, the research that they're discovering is that, you know, other colors like, uh, I don't know what the other colors were, green. Green, purple, blue, and white. Does that yes. mean we should wear green, yes. purple, blue, and white clothing when we're out hiking? That is what it means. And, and I mean, mm. you know, to a certain extent, if you're breathing out CO2, they're going to find you because they can track that and come to your face and then they'll land on right. your clothes regardless. But I think what they're trying to look at is, you know, what is there a deterrent there right so mm -hmm. if i'm walking two miles an hour which is about the pace just past the pace of a mosquito and i'm wearing one of these colors that they're not attracted to does it give me some more some heightened camouflage alternatively is it a good idea to get your hiking partner orange black and cyan yes, equipment exactly. for christmas or yeah. their birthdays yeah. yep. while you buy yourself green purple blue and white I there's think even a the there's home. even a third way triple o you could just stop breathing. Yeah, I've thought True. about that. I've yeah. actually tried that on trail, yeah. and I've you almost blacked breathing. out a couple times. Okay, what if you what if you breathe into like a chamber that harvested your CO two? Because that would actually mm. be also be environmentally um, a good thing to do because you're not, you know, emitting CO two into the atmosphere. Greenhouse gas. Yeah, so you're not emitting a greenhouse. Yeah. You actually you could like maybe you could have some sort of a thing on your back next to your pack that you breathed into that took your CO2 and like physically transformed it into like limestone.
That sounds like some a comfortable way to hike. Whatever that apparatus is that's going to be strapped to your face. <laughs> that would slowly, Florida, slowly get heavier. While you're hiking heavier. the Florida Trail in July, <laughs> it sounds really comfortable. And it would slowly get heavier over time as your COT, CO2 was like, you know, physically transformed into solid rock. Yes. Yeah. POD, this, could be, this could be the future of through hiking this and the metaverse the future yeah, i agree and i also think that there is somewhere in this story there is an orange is the new black joke but i'm just gonna let it yeah. ride because i don't yeah. i don't necessarily know what that joke is so okay uh a couple quick things um alternate use for a tent stake apparently a gentleman was rescued in, in burke county from a mountain short off mountain which i believe is in north carolina mm. around 11:50 p.m thursday february 10th um he had been impaled in his foot by a tent stake what so the tent stake was actually Ooh. through his foot and i'm curious as to how that happened i wonder I if the top i wonder if he was trying to like push the tent stake oh, into yeah. the ground with his foot or his shoe and maybe the top of the tent stake broke off and and like as he was pushing down the tent stake just yeah i have another theory maybe there is some extra tent stakes on the ground 1050 he got up go pee and he stepped on the non-pointy side of the stake as he was walking and then mm. his other foot went down oh. the point of, it was like sticking straight up you know like a lever and he but i don't know i don't actually know i'm just surmising but at any rate it sounds awful burke county somewhere between Asheville and charlotte a little bit north okay well i hope this gentleman is okay they took him um i think three or four hours to get him no uh they they got to him at 2 a.m and it said that he had they got him off the mountain at 10 30 so six and a half hours of getting him down eight and a half hours <laughs> eight and a half yeah eight and a half hours oh boy um okay uh, next quick story farts on the road what carly hmm. sydney of Asheville has a vanity plate that reads fart which stands for friends of Asheville recreational trails apparently several people had complaint filed complaints with the dmv about her offensive license plate and they sent her a notice that she would maybe have to surrender her vanity plate unless she could explain what it means to her and why she wants that acronym on her vehicle friends of Asheville recreational trails that's right okay i hope they have t-shirts because <laughs> i the trail everyone on the show is getting a part <laughs> of friends of Asheville recreational trails shirts it's I so hope they great have bumper stickers i hope they have a picture of the vanity plate on the shirt they need i mean hats. we could do that here friends of arkansas valley recreational trails arkansas. friends of oh, friends of the river. arkansas river trails trails the fart all right I mean, we need to trademark it before kelly yes. carly cindy does <laughs> yes okay then a quick couple uh just shout outs here um what's well, a long trail news tonight i know i'm sorry i'm starting to mags it up again um <laughs> pct permits uh are now available starting march 1st wtf march 1st march 1st that's a like why would anyone start the PCT? I mean, on I, March maybe 1st? you're going to do eight miles a day. Climate for change. A long time. <laughs> yep. 
I don't know. I mean, last year. Oh my god. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Flamingo was out in May on on uh, Forester Pass, and it was completely dry. Yeah, but if you have an average to above average snow season in the Sierra, and you start on March first, you are gonna be S O L. Well, whatever. I kind of don't care. I'm like, whatever. People got to figure this stuff out. I'm sorry to be callous, but I'm kind of a callous person. So I feel like <laughs> anyway. I read, I read something recently where somebody actually was a big proponent of starting really early because they said it was easier to hike on the on the snow um, and and less dangerous than those creek crossings kind of well, in June. That's so actually I, I, it was very interesting to read this because mm-hmm, if you yeah. read this article, you're kind of like, hmm, there's some sense to that. I agree you know? with that with the caveat that you need to have some snow skills mm-hmm. to do that. And you also need to have much stronger navigational skills than when the trail oh, is exposed. Oh, that's yeah. right. So there's that. And, the trail is. and we have yeah. a friend who did the Sierra high route specifically early season, because a lot of those passes are so much easier when they are completely snowbound mm-hmm. versus the super dangerous talus that's up there. So, you know, there's an argument to be made. Yeah. Um, Shana not uh, has recorded the self-supported, fkt on the florida trail and it's the first fkt at all um self-supported well no it was the first fkt self-supported for a woman on the fkt on the fkt website that was listed so it's the only entry up there uh also vagrant so she has an okt the only known time i think so on the ft okt on the ftc which is also an fkt you know we can make a hip-hop song about that right Uh, yeah good I want the OKT. You you better get. I want the OKT. I want the OKT on the FT. Also, Vagrant Viking, who was recently on the show, he just finished the the Florida Trail as well. Oh, congrats yeah. to yeah, Vagrant Viking! I'm sure he was on mushrooms the whole time. Um, <laughs> and how dare you! I think By the way, a- we had him on the December show number yes. 113 to speak on the Ma Day Hay Trail yes. in uh, North Dakota. Or was it South Dakota? North Dakota. Yep. Congrats and that is to all double V. The news I have. We've got a few minutes before our trail of the month guests hops on the line. So I think. I think we've got enough time to do some trip reports. Dilo, it sounds like you had an interesting bicycle ride recently where you met a celebrity hiker. Oh, way. that's what you, that's you, the bike ride you all were talking about. Could, I was like, you what, speak is, to what that? bike ride are you talking about? Yes. So <clears throat> the other morning I was biking away from the elementary school after dropping my children off and I was on my way to the grocery store and I was towing a trailer behind my bike and I came down a ramp onto the bike path, which was at the bottom of the ramp that would then went underneath the bridge that I had just descended from. It was a very uh, hair raising part of the bike path, if you will. Oh, well, actually it wasn't, but anyways, I was coming down this ramp to the bike path and there was a couple of joggers and they were talking very loudly and I slowed down while they kind of ran up the trail. And then one of them yelled at me, disco. And I was what? taking it back because I, you know, I, when somebody yells disco, I assume they're talking about you disco. Uh-huh. And I was like, but wait, I'm not disco. 
And then I didn't know who it was. They ran away. They were up the trail. I was down the trail. And then I said out loud, oh, nice try, Andrew. It's D'Lo. And that was Andrew. Andrew Skirka? <laughs> yeah. So Andrew Skirka was out jogging <laughs> past the elementary school in the morning. Did he and, hear you say nice try? No, I don't think so. I don't ah. think so. I was, way, I was far down the trail by then. But it took me that long to just process what had happened. Who was this that just yelled oh, disco at me? Why did they think I was disco? Oh, and it, oh. and I feel like, I feel like Andrew Skirka has called me disco before. I don't know when I, wonder- I ran into him. I ran into him in the grocery store a couple of years ago and he remembered who I was and he was like, D-Lo. And we talked for 15 minutes in the grocery store or something, but I feel like he's called me disco before. But, but D-Lo, didn't you once yeah. call Andrew Skirka hearsay? I, I probably did, yeah. In you Mag's did. apartment. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. You walked into Mag's apartment. Yeah. Andrew Skirka was sitting in a chair facing yeah. the door. You looked right at him and said, <laughs> like, why is hearsay here? Now you were <laughs> like, are you hearsay? Yeah, you said, are you hearsay? I don't think I knew who Andrew Skirka was when I walked into Mag's apartment. But so I did know I did know hearsay, and I don't know why. I'd, I'd, anyways, yeah. So you well, and Skirka... Yeah. tall and lanky so yeah Dilo, you and skirka have a history of confusing Get, each other i think yeah is, is what be. this comes down to yep. this reminds be. me of the time on the pct when someone in i think in oregon we met scott williamson heading southbound on one of his like many through hikes and they didn't recognize him and they started to explain to him how much he would love the sierras and he was totally <laughs> gracious about it <laughs> He was like, really? <laughs> he was like, oh, great. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> and then we walked on and told this guy who that was, and he was so embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, my God. But yeah, That's... Scott Williamson was totally cool about it. Other trip reports, POD, have you been anywhere this month? I have. I finally made it out of the Arkansas Valley. I went to Boulder and went dancing amazing Congrats. did you Great. go to delo's house to his airbnb no i did okay. not make it over there no <laughs> but i did go to ikea as well oh. really wow yeah. oh. on your like on your way home or what did you get meatballs no i don't understand the cafe aspect i'm not trying to spend more time in ikea when i go there i'm just trying to get what i need and get the hell out did you get um, what you need and get the hell out i did nice did you come home with some furniture uh yes it's still in the car adult but... Lego sets. yes totally <laughs> oh my god it's interesting i don't whatever i don't want to talk about it but yes i went why not we'd love fantastic. to talk about ikea on the trail no it's boring <laughs> no it's totally cool no nope. how many mags miles do you think you could hike in an ikea here, store you know, before peace. they kick you out <laughs> if mags was here rest in peace he talking about to talk the about ikea, IKEA. store yeah, he was as boring yeah. as being in the ikea store well mags so. mags recently bought a house so Guess who's going to be taking a road trip to Ikea? Mm. Oh, man. Yep. Godspeed. <laughs> totally. Triple O, how about you? Have you been uh, to Weaver's Needle this month? I actually have been close to Weaver's Needle. I went on a hike in the Superstition Mountains after it yeah. snowed here. Nice. Not too long ago. It was cool. really cool. It didn't snow in, in like the valley, but it snowed on the Superstition, so... The whole tops of them were all covered in snow, which was kind of fun. And I saw Weaver's Needle, and I thought of Disco, who loves Weaver's Needle yes. more than anyone I know. It's my favorite landmark um, in Arizona. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is strikingly beautiful. Yeah. 
that's about it. Nothing too exciting. Just a lot of trail running in the local area. Wow. Um, I took a trip back east to visit my parents. And actually, I timed it. Uh, I visited my dad in Alabama so as to line up when, with Skittles as he was hiking the snowbird route through Alabama. And I was able to slack pack him like three days through Montgomery and beyond. So that was nice. kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, every How's he day. Doing? He's doing good. I think we're going to hear from him a bit later in the show. Um, he's doing well. He, yeah, I would just like uh, pick him up somewhere at the end of the day. He'd come back to my dad's house with me. We'd eat ribeye steaks and drink beers. And then I would take him out to the same spot the next morning. He would hike 20 miles. I'd pick him up further down the road. Rinse and repeat. You didn't want to do those road walks? No, no, not into walking roads in Alabama. No, nope. just nope. like you'd have some yeah. good conversation, you know, I, eight, eight hours of walking on the road, side of the road, maybe 10. You know? Yeah. And actually, um, he'll tell you he had to walk across this one bridge that had a whole lot of traffic and it had about maybe a foot, I'm being generous, maybe a foot of shoulder on the bridge and the bridge was at least a football field long. he said people were honking people were pissed and he was fearful for his life i don't know if he's going to mention that in his audio update but he we talked about it we drove the bridge a couple times as we were you know going back and forth to drop him off and i it, i mean you'd have to get a boat ride across the river that'd be the only other option but yeah there's a bridge near Wetumpka, Alabama, if you're doing that Alabama roadwalk that I don't know what to say. Maybe do it at 3 a.m. when there's no traffic. Good luck. Bring a pack raft. Bring a pack raft. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Holy moly. The Intex 2200 or whatever is the yeah. cheap version of a pack raft. Yeah, so other than that, I've been doing some local short day hike kind of stuff, but nothing, nothing worth writing home about. So that, I guess that's all of our trip reports. Although, Dilo, real quick, can mm -hmm. you talk to us about your new tent? Oh, yes. I bought a new tent, new family tent, family camping tent. I'm pretty excited about it. It is What a, happened to the kingdom? Oh, the, the kingdom, kingdom has fallen. The kingdom <laughs> fell last May. <clears throat> it was a victim of sand blowing into all of the zippers. The zippers were already oh. failing. The sand was the end of the zippers. And without zippers... Uh, tent is somewhat useless because you're just going to be swarmed by mosquitoes. And besides, the tent is just that tent is just not worthy of storms. And I always found myself camping in exposed sagebrush meadows and the tops of hills with my family in windstorms, and it it was just too much. Mm. So last summer we used two different tents. So we had a child tent and a parent tent. Sometimes a you know child parent tent, child parent tent. But this summer, actually starting soon, this spring, we're going to go, we're moving into a single tent, which is a smaller tent. It's a four-person tent. It's about eight foot by eight foot. It's about 50 inches high in the center. So I, myself, I, I can actually stand up completely in there because I'm wow. yeah, yeah. not you're really <laughs> POD. That's not true. I'm just exaggerating. But no, I can I can get on my knees and uh, you know maneuver around and <clears throat> swashbuckle some clothes on and things like that. Smack swashbuckle, some, smack some children around, all that fun stuff that you do in a tent when you're camping with people. But um, is it one but yeah, door or it's two doors? Big, it's two doors. 
two doors. It was, it had to be two doors, two vestibules, yeah. two doors. Uh, I set it up today. It's a pretty nice tent. I bought it from Moose Jaw, which is a pretty fun company to buy things from. They make lots okay. of jokes, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, paid a good price. Shout for out, it. shout out Wolverine. Yep. Yeah. Paid shout a good out. price for it. It's a big Agnes Blacktail Four. Can you stand up in it? Uh, if you're 50 inches or we less, we could. None of us no, could. No, I I can't stand up in there. I'm I'm actually five feet seven inches, which is more than 50 inches. 50 inches is four feet two inches. So no, mm-hmm. I cannot stand up in there. But I can get on my knees and, like I said, maneuver around. I don't want a tent that you could stand up in. It's too big. Is the Kingdom Five Thousand in a landfill now? No, we gave it away last summer. We put it on Facebook Marketplace told people that the zippers were busted and somebody came and took it off our hands. Wow. Yeah. For free? Great. For free. I don't know what they did with it. Maybe they tried to go camping and realized that without zippers, <laughs> the tent is a bad place to be, but whatever. Did you tell them about your experience when the tent collapsed and you had to like back up into the corner to, to hold it in place while the windstorm was I don't to... think the people uh-huh. that took it off our hands were the were the most experienced campers, judging by um, just, just making super just making superficial <laughs> subjective judgments, you know. But yeah, and the fact that they were willing to take a broken tent off my hands. So no, well, I don't think they would have enjoyed that story. I enjoyed that story. It was a good story. It was it's, a good it's story. It's definitely a memorable story. We've got another story for you when we come back from our break. We're gonna have Dylan. Ivan's on to talk about the Trans-European Alpine Route. Don't go anywhere. The Trail Show will be back. Hey guys, this is Moonkid and I never listen to the trade show. You know, it's just that it's not it's not good enough for me. All right, folks, the trail show is back and we've got our trail of the month. Special guest Dylan Rideon Ivans is on tonight to talk about the Trans-European Alpine Route, also known as the Tear. And I think a lot of you folks are going to recognize some of the trails that compromise the Tear because uh of the German Wampire and other folks we've had on recently. We've had folks talk about the Via Dinarica and, and other trails. And, and Triple O, I'm also curious if you overlapped any of these trails that are part of the Trans-European Alpine Route. So anyway, yeah. um, Dylan, thanks for coming on the show. And can you give us a little, just kind of an overview of the tear? Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So uh, the tear was basically my attempt to make a hiking route that that spanned a whole continent, um, but that stayed in the mountains as much as possible, and uh, and yet was still doable with you know three season gear and in one extended hiking season. And I basically decided that Europe was the best contender to do that, uh, just because of the size. Like there's lots of areas where that's just you know it's possible in theory, like the North America, South America. Asia, there's lots of mountains, but you'd never be able to do it in, in less than a year. So yeah, I looked to Europe and, and saw kind of a continuous chain of mountain ranges going east-west. And then I just started digging into whether trails already existed through those areas and then started piecing it all together. And then the tear is kind of what I came up with. Excellent. Yeah, I was on your website, mountainsinme.ca. 
And on your tear page, it says um, the tear crosses, traverses six major mountain systems, passes through 16 countries, 16 nat national parks, and is roughly 6,200 kilometers long. I don't know how many miles that is. About Just 4, under 4,000. Okay. Yeah. yeah, here in God's country, we... <laughs> I'll, I'll try and use some freedom units whenever I can. Yeah, please, please use like, you know, old old school uh metrics like uh i don't know what what it vampires Imperi say? it's imperial Bushels. units imperial <laughs> units <laughs> our, anyway, our, our audience is an imperial units audience yeah by and large um <laughs> it, it is. so so you you were able to hike the tear in like one season and as one continuous push or did you break it up over a couple of years no, nope, continuous hike, seven months, a day under seven months. Wow. Okay. And and we watched your video. It was um, great. Yeah. Love the, the so seven great. minute overview video. And it looks like you started at the Black Sea and hiked west to the Atlantic Ocean. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, for some reason, I had in my head that you did it the opposite way. I don't know why, but um, I'm curious. So it looks like you were on parts of the Camino towards the finish of your hike. I'm sure people were asking you, where did you start your Camino hike? Yeah. And how many times did you have to have this conversation that like, well, actually I started at the Black Sea. Or did you lie? That's what or I did like. you just lie and be like, yeah, I started uh, on the on the border with France. No, I, well, it, it was tricky because yeah, I only joined the, the Camino, like one of the official Camino routes um, very close to the end. And really out of season. It was already November by then. So it wasn't uh, really as busy. Okay. So I didn't run into some people, but I only kind of uh, kept pace with people for the last few days just because I knew I was kind of done. I didn't have to push hard and, uh, and they're just a good group. So um, yeah, I definitely let them know where I came from and, you know, got that little bit of ego boost and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I noticed in your video, uh, and we'll post a link to that. Is it you were going with really ultralight gear? I saw oh, yeah. what looked like a Z pack shelter. I saw low top trail runners. So you're hiking through Europe, man. How many times were people just absolutely, absolutely horrified that you were wearing and wild using, camping with wild those minimal camping. things? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because yeah, there's definitely the stereotype the, the ultralight like it it exists. You know, there are folks out there. Just obviously, there's going to be European listeners that are into the the lightweight kind of thing but definitely the the culture out there is more traditional the funny thing is there's some people going hut to hut and their packs are still bigger than mine <laughs> oh yeah 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 pod and i hiked a, a a bit of the gr11 way back in 2012 and we saw the same thing like people were going from town to town but their packs were double the size of ours and we were wild camping and they were horrified at what we were doing and I don't know. It was just different styles, I suppose, different, different ways of getting across the same trail. I want to, I want to ask you, Dylan, about how you put this route together. Um, so this, you, you must've spent months putting this route together, right? Yeah. When you were, when you were looking at the route, how did you find where the trails were in, let's say Bosnia and Herzegovina? or Montenegro, how did you find out where the trails were in Bulgaria? And what, what maps did you use to like see these online to piece together your route and whatnot? Because I mean, I'm sure in 2022, one can find, you know, 
the equivalent of USGS topo maps or topographical maps of Bulgaria, for example. But how did you do that? Yeah, well, I was lucky that there's already a, a decent amount of long distance trail hiking trail networks in a bunch of those areas. So, um, uh, and then I divided the route up into seven sections, and that was based on the, the six major kind of mountain chains that it passes through, and then there was a bit of a gap in between them, so that, that ends up being the seventh section. And um, for a lot of those, there was already an established long-distance hiking route that ran the length of the chain. So um, the first section is the Balkan Mountains that stretch pretty much right across Bulgaria. And Bulgaria has a national hiking trail called the Kamamine, which runs that entire range. So it's like, I found that and it's like, okay, so that section is pretty much done. Just got it. I know that exists. Now I got to just figure out all the beta for it and plan like I'm doing that hike and then go move on to the next one. And then the, so the Dinaric Alps, there's the Via Dinarica, which I was fortunate, you know, because that's still a pretty young trail. So it, it had only come out maybe five or six years before I hike the tear so that was great because that was a big empty spot on my my map while i was doing my really early scouting for it uh and then the alps i mean there's just mm -hmm. you could do anything in the alps um through france there's a, a huge network of their gr trails so um there was a there's a website i believe it's called waymarked hiking routes or hike or if you Google Waymarked Hiking Paths or something like that, you can find this open source website that has kind of all these trails in Europe and just on a huge overlay map. And that was a godsend because I could just look at that and just start connecting the dots for a lot of them. Um, but yeah, stuff like the, the Pyrenees, you've got the HRP, the GR10 or the GR11, like take your pick and that takes care of, you know, it, it's ready mm -hmm. to go. Um, but basically the uh the, the cantabrian mountains across northern spain that was definitely a bit of piecing stuff together using just a lot of these open source websites and then uh, the section through southern southeastern france after the alps but before the pyrenees and then the section getting between the balkan mountains and the dinaric alps that there was, that was the bulk of the work uh in, in terms of putting it together what what country is that between the between the bulgarian mount did you say the bulgarian mountains yeah, balkan yeah. mountains between the balkan mountains and the Dinaric Alps, what was that? Like that's, we're talking yeah. near the, Sarajevo and, and things. Exactly. Yeah. That's, okay. that's the, the toughest, the biggest kind of connector section. Yeah. Um, Kos Kosovo, Montenegro. Oh yeah. I saw you're on the exactly. Kosovo border and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you pass through, you end the Kamamine trail in Bulgaria. And now to get from the end of that trail to the start of the Via Dinarica, you've got to get across 500 kilometers of like basically there's no trail infrastructure. So you just got to get 500 kilometers and cross in through four countries. Mm. <laughs> wow. So th that, that actually brings up a good point. So a lot of your video kind of focuses on more of the Alpine terrain, the, the mountainous terrain, the trails, how much of the, the tear is road walking? Yeah. What percentage? See, so that video is definitely a, a bit of a highlight reel. Um, sure. I've, crunched, I've crunched all the numbers. Um, I, I have Thank a, you. I have a graph in uh, in my book, actually, in the appendix oh. section right at the end that shows the breakdown by section and by uh, trail surface type. And it ends up being uh, very close to 25%, about a quarter. Oh, that's it. That's not bad at all. That's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. It's um, And I, I've i also done the comparison because I, I found that number, but then I needed some reference, right? Like, what does that mean in comparison to some other trails that, that I've done? So that's very similar to... Uh, the PNT, like Pacific mm -hmm. Northwest Trail, mm -hmm. is 25% paved roads, and so is um, 
the Tearoa is very similar to that. And mm, is it only 25% because it felt like aved? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, because there could also be, you know, maybe gravel roads and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah sheep stations. <laughs> yeah. Also feel like that, which also feel like paved roads because they're so hard pack. Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, not every paved road is, is created re equal, right? When you're in True. Europe, um, you're in the middle of the Alps and it's, you know, everything around you is beautiful, but because there's villages everywhere, you might still be technically on a paved surface, but who cares? Um, it's a lot different than, you know, walking down a highway or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the logistics of going through 16 countries, like just on passports and visas alone, or what did you, what did you have to do for that? So I, I'm as a Canadian uh, and as most Western travelers, I think wouldn't have any special visa issues. Um, I'm pretty sure you can just enter all these countries and you're just given your, your standard tourist visa and all that. So I didn't have to apply for anything. The wow. trickiest part is once you reach um, the Northern end of the Dinaric Alps, you cross into Slovenia and now you're into the Schengen area of Europe. So that's um, most of Western Europe has shared borders it's like moving amongst those countries is like being uh in the united states and moving between states or different provinces in canada there's no border checks even though they're distinct countries once you're once you've crossed into one of them you're accepted into any of them and that's great for hiking because you can be up in the mountains and cross from one country to the next without coming down to a you know onto a road on a patrolled border station but the problem is that they also have a shared visa kind of system and schedule and mm. technically you're only allowed to stay in all of those countries for a maximum of 90 days out of any 180 day period uh, mm. so it's actually a big problem to try and for a continuous through hike of the tear um mm. unfortunately most westerners or most most non-europeans can't legally do a continuous through hike of the tear you'd either have to do a flip-flop and i offer some schedules on my site or not do a legal hike of the tear. So, so as a Canadian citizen, were you were you able to to do that that hike more easily? I mean, as far as the the passport and the border crossings go, do you get like different privileges as a Canadian versus what Americans would get? As a Canadian, too, we're willing to offer you the Fifth Amendment protection from self-incrimination yeah i don't i don't want to get you in trouble man we can we can actually if you don't want us if you don't want this to be on the air we can remove this but the real question is did you overstay your 90 days in the schengen and if you did did you have any problems leaving yeah i don't mind i don't mind talking about it so okay. the um so i thought i had i thought i had a different understanding of what the schengen rules are and i, and I did look at it quite closely i thought I misunderstood the rules and thought I had a way of, of working around it and kind mm -hmm. of you know, resetting the visa and being able to time it so that everything would work out. But then when I looked at it more closely, once I was a month away from finishing the trail, I realized that I had in fact misinterpreted the uh, regulations and I was unavoidably going to have to overstay my visa if I wanted to complete the trail. So two things, one, many other many people many hikers of travelers have done this and not run into trouble it, it is technically illegal you're overstaying a visa or a, you're technically you don't have a visa you have a visa free allowance but it's all the same but in my defense uh you know I, when other hikers ask me about this i usually suggest you know do a flip-flop hike if you can or or try and get uh, some other countries have pre-existing agreements that 
predate the Schengen thing. Like the US, there's actually a, a nicer solution for Americans that I talk about. But anyway, letter of the law versus spirit of the law. So like mostly visa regulations are there for people that are going to overstay, get a job, start living there. I'm on vacation. I'm just paying money right. and walking and I'm going to be gone in a couple yeah. of weeks. Like, do they, I, Yes, they could punish me. They could throw the book at me. But are they going to? It also depends on which country you leave out of. Spain has a, recommend, uh, a re reputation of being pretty lax with people who overstay their visas if they're on their way out. But if you leave through a Scandinavian mm. country, uh, you're in trouble. Oh. You can get fined. You can get a nasty stamp on your passport. That means you'll have to apply for a special thing on your next entrance. It's it's your own risk if you're going to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you well, risked it. Yeah. Kind of along yeah. the same lines, but a little different. So 16 different countries. How many different languages are spoken along the tear? And was that a was that an issue for you? Quite a few. Um, I tried to get uh, some basics down as as I was going to enter each country, so you can communicate. But we're so lucky as English speakers that it's kind of the second language of, of so many areas. Um, in a lot of the Balkans and Eastern Europe, though technically they're called different languages, like all the all the Slavic language and they have a similar background. So once you learn some of those greetings, it carries over to a lot of the countries. Mm. Uh, I know a little bit of French from back from my school days. They tried to teach us <laughs> um, and then we forget it all. But it was <laughs> never really a huge barrier. I had a little laminated card that had a map of the route I was doing across Europe. Oh, cool. And, yeah, and a picture of a guy with a backpack. So I would, that was my like, this is what I'm doing mm -hmm. card. Ah. And then and on the back, I had a list of the main languages of the different countries and like five different phrases, like just your thank you, this supermarket in every language. Um, <laughs> Bathroom. about it, yeah. <laughs> so how was it, uh, you know, some of these areas, you know, I think a lot of North American folks would, would only remember them from very terrible international wars and things. And so how was it walking through some of these areas and was there surprising like interactions or just like, like I don't know, how does it feel to walk through Kosovo or Bosnia, Herzegovina? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I, I had the exact same kind of expectations or like that was all of, I was, that's all I knew of those countries, right? Just mm -hmm. hearing them in passing or hearing them used in as stand-ins in movies for just war-torn, poor European countries, right? Absolutely. And, yeah, and then I got there, and I, I had no idea that you know, uh, Albania, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, that these were mountainous, like, beautiful countries, um, and, and it was gorgeous. So the nice thing was I didn't have any expectations. I didn't really know what they looked like beforehand, so everything was just... Uh, a nice surprise and I didn't know that much about the Via Generica I, I, everything was so abstract when I'm just looking at like topo maps and measuring resupply distances that once I actually got there it was it felt quite new and fresh but as, as I think you mentioned on one of your earlier podcasts with about the Via Generica you do pass signs in a couple of places in uh, I think it's Bosnia where they say that yeah there's danger of landmines so don't stray from the trail okay um, yeah, it's only in a couple spots and and like the trail itself is cleared. It's perfectly safe, but it's not the time to go like venturing off trail. Um, yeah, so it, it was, it's still an eye opener and you realize that there's definitely a history there. There's also a couple spots where there's some bunkers in the mountains of northern Albania, like a pillbox kind of bunker where mm -hmm. they would have had 
soldiers in there guarding the pass and looking down over the the valley so mm -hmm. it's uh yeah you, you definitely recognize that that's that's recent history over there and yeah. real cool real quickly i don't want to forget you'd mentioned your your book and thanks so much for sending us a copy so it's a incredible hardcover hardback book uh simply called the trans-european alpine route hike across the continent available on amazon and i don't know are there other places people can get the book right now amazon's the easiest for sure okay yeah so it's um the the photos in it are phenomenal and it yeah. kind of just like it walks you from the black sea all the way to the atlantic ocean um through the through the tear and even even if you don't plan on on hiking all of it or even parts of it like if you're just dreaming of doing some trails um in europe this would be a neat book to to have on your coffee table to take a look at yeah i mean watch the video first it will inspire yeah. you and then you'll be gonna be like i wanna i wanna read the book and thanks for for doing the video that that has a start and finish i know some people have hiked across europe and then they kind of never really finished their uh their blog or their videos and they kind of leave you <laughs> hanging you know so it's nice when people uh you know do a trip like that and wrap it up so you have some some closure yeah triple o <laughs> <laughs> i feel for you there triple o i've got uh I've seen your series, by the way. It's awesome. And I, I was doing the same thing when I was in New Zealand. Uh, I was I was making a series on the fly, like, you know, trying to do all the editing on the phone. Uh, yeah, every night or every other night. A lot of work. Oh, it's a lot of work. And then my phone died on the South Island. So the videos just stopped uh, and I never yeah. finished them. Yeah. yeah, we should mention, by the way, that we hiked the same, we hiked the TA the same year, but we never met each other. Yeah, because I, I talked to Dylan about this offline and um, I think you started a couple of weeks after we did. And unfortunately, you had you got a stress fracture in your foot pretty early on on the North Island, right? Yeah, I think I just started way too, too hard, too fast. Like I was thinking I could just pick up like on PCT miles, which was my previous through hike, but it had been, you know, off trail. Like you could, body was right. just yeah. not ready for it. Yeah. And then by the time I got to Auckland, my foot was killing me and yeah, it was, it was a stress fracture. So I had to get off trail for a few weeks and let that heal up. I'm actually not surprised. Like it's kind of a brutal start with the 90 mile beach, the Harakino, and then the Retea. Like that's a weird mix of, of things to start with. And people that have hiked the TAO know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I, I remember just finishing 90 mile beach. I felt like both of my feet were broken just from watch, walking flat sand, not for 90 miles, actually, but for like 60. Um, anyway, back to the tear. I have a question. So like on the, the PCT, you think of kind of like the Sierras and then winter coming in the north, if you're going northbound is like your big mountains with the snow that you have to kind of time things around. What, what are there, are there places on the, the tear that you, you think, all right, well, I got to get to the Alps at a certain time because that's going to be like the highest mountains or the Pyrenees or something that I need to get there by a certain date. Are there, are there cruxes that you need to meet when you're thinking about a full length through hike? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And definitely. Yes. So, so you have it at the start and at the end and it's similar to like the PCT or the CDT or something. So we're on those ones you've got, like you, you can't hit the CR too early. You can't hit the San Juans too early. Right. Um, on the tear, you, you hit it right away and it's in the Balkan mountains because you start at sea level, but um, you know, a couple weeks in less than a couple weeks in you're up at uh, six and a half, 7,000 feet. Um, and it's probably snowed in still. So you're, 
it's Botev Peak, which is the highest peak on the, the range of the Balkan Mountains. And there's no way to go around it on trail. You have to go up and over it. And yeah, that's that's definitely a, so the early one. So if you start too early, it's going to be pretty hairy up there. Like it, it's just so exposed. And I think early in the year, it can have some pretty nasty weather. So um, that was fine for us. It was, it was covered in snow, but it's like the grades are fine. You're not worried about avalanche danger. It's pretty compact. So you just up and over whenever you have a good weather window. And then on the far end, uh, it's the Pyrenees for sure. Because after the Pyrenees, you're, you're closer to the Atlantic Ocean. So that kind of moderates the temperatures. You're not quite as high, so you can deal with it. It's probably still going to be cold and rainy, but you won't get snowed out. And uh, yeah, I, I crossed through the Pyrenees um, in October, which is, it's, you're pushing it, right? It's like being in northern Washington in October. You're kind of rolling okay. the dice. Um, I, I was lucky I got snowed on once, just like a couple inches of fresh snow, just enough that you're like, oh, it's snowy and this looks cool, but I can just keep hiking. And then saw pictures from people I had met and uh, of just a few weeks later. And it's like, OK, I squeaked by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Real, real quickly, I've got questions about two of the smaller trails that were part of the, the tear. Um, did you find the GR420 to be a bit smoky? <laughs> <laughs> no nothing uh nothing to report there just uh some pretty standard yeah french gr trail yeah <laughs> okay and, did you um, take delo style naps on the gr420 i uh, i don't know what that uh did you take to. any naps did you take any naps on your hike i was 100 percent digital so yeah not a not a single uh paper map no, I had oh, naps. 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 Oh, naps. With an N. I heard you. Naps. Naps. Uh, um, yeah. we'll, I, we'll talk about maps too, but naps. First question naps. is naps. Did you on, sleep? Did you take so naps during that the That section of the trail, no, because um, I was on a time crunch to create the Pyrenees. So it was like mm. marathon days every day. Yeah. Wow. It's very not DLO style. No. <laughs> And what about, about you, now? Let's talk about maps. You said, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. One, one more sub trail first. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Camino Primitivo. Yeah. What mm. is that? Is that just like a route that parallels the actual Camino that's maybe more rustic? I don't know. What is that? So there's about a dozen different route, routes that are all called the Camino, Camino. right? Because any, any, any pilgrimage that goes to anyone that hikes to or walks to uh, Santiago de Compostela is on a Camino on a pilgrimage. But there's a lot of routes that became these very standardized, well-traveled paths. And the Camino uh, Francis, or the one that crosses through northern Fr or from France, that's the one that everyone refers to as the Camino, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it's not the only one. There's like, right. I don't know, about 10 that see a fair bit of traffic. Um, and the one I was hiking towards the end, yeah, the Primitivo, it's, it's just another one. It's notable because it was declared, it's kind of considered the original one. That's why it's called the Primitivo. Mm. Because when, so the history there is that the Catholic Church announced that the remains of, of the St. James, I want to say, was discovered. Yeah, whatever, who cares? There. Yeah, yeah, anyway. When the uh, king, the king uh, of Asturias, uh, the region in Spain there, the, where the Primitivo starts, he heard this news and he's like, well, I have to go there. I have to go there to honor the site. And he made the first trip the first like pilgrimage to that site and so the route he took is the primitivo but the route that everyone else takes that comes from like all over europe they're coming in from all over europe so they come into spain from a different spot and that became the really popular channel but it wasn't the first one gotcha so Dilo, maps. back to maps you said you were 100 percent digital 
Yeah. Um, no, no concerns with that. No fears, no. A little concern. I, I recommend concern. that everyone have some sort of redundancy there. And I think yeah. rather than um, paper maps, just because trying to mail all those, I, I had no food drops. So like you'd, and every country has different mailing systems. So I think the best way to do it, honestly, is to just get an old phone, like find a friend mm -hmm. with an old phone that still works. You don't need a SIM card in it or anything, but just have that in your pack. I mean, a, an old small phone is just looking away like four ounces. It's no, not much mm -hmm. more than a Ziploc full of maps. Um, and then just recharge that. You, mm -hmm. I'll, obviously, I recommend you've got something, but yeah, some sort of high level map because you can get like nice tourist high level maps that show you the area, um, maybe some especially as you get into more developed countries like you know the out Al the alp country Al alpine countries and switzerland whatnot, yeah. you know switzerland and france and things but I nothing have... like that when you didn't carry anything like that just straight up digital yeah i mean i had a pretty because i had done so much research i had a pretty good idea of the larger regions i was in and europe is just the wilderness corridor is is not that big yeah, so yeah you, you had find a trail that heads downhill and you're gonna hit a road and hit a village pretty if fast, you if right? you need to get out yeah i read that yeah. on your site there yeah i have a question you mentioned that you didn't do any food drops which makes sense so you walked through 16 countries you didn't do any food drops what is one new trail food that you started eating somewhere or picked up along the way that you really liked? Well, I, I got tired of it, but I was really big on it when we first discovered it. It's called halva. Um, mm. And it's an Eastern European thing. And it's like sesame seed oil that's just thickened up with just like straight sugar. So it's just a block of interesting and sugar so it's just the, the calories per gram do you insane. just eat it like by the spoonful or do you put it on something it's dry enough that you like chew it it's almost like a fudge mm. kind of a huh. thing yeah interesting Alba. yeah okay wow i want to try some <laughs> yeah there's different brands with different like little flavors huh. added and stuff mm. too but who, who is it so marketed to like in the normal world like who yeah how do, they, how do those people eat it the people <laughs> yeah. that normally I'm not, buy it. I'm not sure i think it's like a dessert kind of a thing like uh, just a little okay. treat yeah, yeah. But you could get whole blocks of it and like <laughs> triple o did, did you discover halva when you were hiking across europe i did not but i was going to ask um i had a problem when i was in france that i actually stopped and ate at so many bakeries that i put on weight when i was walking across <laughs> france on my hike i was wondering if you faced a similar dilemma in france or <laughs> if you were available to avoid this <laughs> I, yeah i was going pretty hard so i had the problem of uh, of losing too much weight by the time i was like halfway through the alps i i saw like a full body mirror for the first time in a while and i was like oh <laughs> and and then I, so my next couple of food drops i was actually crunching the numbers and i was like okay minimum five thousand calories a day like i gotta <laughs> wow i have this back up yeah <laughs> the reality is that this really needs to be about a two-hour interview but unfortunately yeah. we, we don't have <laughs> enough time to cover everything is there anything else you want to get out there about the tear before we bid you adieu i'd like to mention that there's a few people that are planning to hike it this year oh so cool that's, yeah that's exciting I, for me at least uh, so there's a, a, a definitely a british guy that's going to be hiking starting uh at the end of april he's got a, a blog uh ben hikes i believe benhikes.eu or something so if people want to check that out to see it follow someone actually hiking it and another cool thing with that is he uh i've been corresponding with him 
because this is not this is very much a route and not a trail obviously like it's it's not a real trail it's just something i put together and then put all the info out there for anyone who's interested so it can definitely be improved upon and, and tweaked so uh we, yeah we've been talking about an alternate route through northern spain that might be a little more mm. mountainous but you've got to get there earlier in the year because it's higher elevation than the route that i took okay so so he's going to test that out hopefully so that'll be really interesting for me to see that just kind of what the the best version of this overall idea um, can yeah. really turn into yeah so i'm excited yeah. for that that's pretty cool and i'm, I'm sure you're going to get feedback you never expected as more like people get out and hike all of it or parts of it yeah i think brett tucker's had similar experience with some of the routes he's developed in the in the southwestern u.s um but Anyway, if so, should we point people to mountainsandme.ca if they want to get more info on the tear? Yeah, for sure. That's that's where everything I've got all the info hosted. So there's GPS tracks, all the inform. Just to mention about the book, the uh, the information you need to actually go and hike the route, all that is available for free on the website. The you know resupply info, water sources, all that is is there, and you can download it. Whereas the the book is more of the kind of info you'd find in a trail guide. That's like those interesting tidbits kind of along the way giving you a little bit of historical context things to know but it's it's not that don't buy my book thinking you're gonna bring yeah. it with you on the hike it's it's not that it's more of a coffee table kind of something to get the wanderlust going um, gotcha but the site is where all the uh the nitty-gritty is for sure one last he, one last fun question did you have a, a like what was your favorite stretch of the trail or your favorite country on the trail or your favorite mountain range or yeah, yeah, it's tough. Definitely um, the Alps, the Pyrenees, and the the Dinaric Alps, like the Vidinerica, those would be the, you know, fighting for the top three for sure. And then to get more specific than that, there's a section early on in, in the Alps um, called the Karnak Alps, and it's like a 100-mile long, really straight mountain chain, and the route tries to stay on top of that ridge for a lot almost all of it towards the end. And it's, it was the historical battle line between uh, Austria to the north and Italy to the south in World War I. So they are actually fighting for control of those mountains. And you're kind of walking the ridge lines that you know one army was on the left, one was on the right. And there's actually old bunkers and dugouts and things like that. So there's the history side of that. There's ridge walking. It's just a really cool stretch of trail. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Dylan, Thanks so much for taking some time tonight to come on the trail show and talk to us about the tear folks again, check out mountainsandme.ca. Are you on social media anywhere, Instagram or Twitter? Yeah. Mountains.me for uh, Twitter, oh, sorry, Instagram, uh, not on Twitter, uh, but most of that's pointed to from the site. So if you start there, you'll, you'll find your way. Excellent. Right on. As it were. <laughs> All right, Dylan. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, guys. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a good night. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have an audio clip from Skittles on the Snowbird. Uh, we got some mailbag items and maybe even some hotline calls. So don't go.
well, this is Dylan right on Ivan's, and I never listened to the trail show. All right, everybody, the trail show is back, and we've cracked some new beers. Dilo, what do you have? Tonight, I am drinking the Bury the Hatchet Churro Stout, which is a collaborative offer between Petty John's Liquor Store here in Boulder, Colorado, and UHL Brewing Company, also here in Boulder, Colorado. And the story behind this beer told to me by the clerk at the liquor store is that the brewer of UHL had a little tiff, if you will, a little fight, perhaps, a little disagreement with the owner of Petty John's liquor store. And for many years, there was much animosity between Petty John's and UHL Brewing. So this beer is the Bury the Hatchet Stout, where the two have come together to make amends and brew a delicious, hearty, 7.5% ABV stout. That's perfect for cold winter nights. Excellent. Hashtag reconciliation. That's right. Yeah. I just cracked the Star Ruby Imperial IPA, Ruby Red Grapefruit Imperial IPA from Orchid Island Brewing, also out of Vero Beach, Florida. And it's coming in at a lofty 8% ABV, which is why I'm fumbling over my words right now. Uh, it's quite delicious. Beauty, would you attest? Yes, I have been drinking coffee for the first half of the show. And so it tasted extra citrusy to me because of my coffee palate that I have right now. Also known as a callet. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, it was delicious. Compliments of the weekend. And I think we're going to do a, um, a little, uh, because uh, Trip the Light gave us a nice donation i think we'll do a little a little beer uh fund maybe for next month with his donation cool since we're drinking beers from florida at least you and i are um and uh yeah then we can all get special stuff next month all right well we're gonna throw a little wild card at you real quick before we get into the rest of the show so um there's been some talk over previous shows about the slowest known time across the pacific crest trail and uh trail show vip trip to light tom mcgee apparently uh, it might have been delo that uh someone someone basically tried to take his skt away and after a couple of midnight meetings and long hours and a lot of you know getting together talking it over hashing it out um, our legal department has come up with a statement that we have prepared and would like to read at this time. The Trail Show Legal Department statement is as follows. We at the Trail Show are herewith retracting any and all statements, written or verbal, whether explicit or implied, without admitting or stipulating that any such statements, written or verbal, whether explicit or implied, were actually made by any parties hereto, questioning the person identified hereafter as Trip the Light, and such persons claim to hold the slowest known time, hereafter SKT for the Pacific Crest Trail, hereafter PCT. And additionally, we are hereby reinstating, but only to the extent that we are empowered or have the authority to reinstate, which we make no claims or warranties regarding such power, such person known as Trip the Light's claim regarding the heretofore referenced SKT for the PCT of 46 days or 46 years and 12 days. Thank you. 
that's some really nice legalese man that almost that i mean we all understood all of those words but when you put them all together and you said them in such a manner they actually made very little sense to almost all of us that's really great that's like that's good lawyering that's what you charge the big bucks for yeah wow very impressive wow so did we get any hotline calls this month (laughs) <laughs> we do have hotline I, I don't quite know how to segue out of that legal lease, so maybe we just go to the hotline i don't know let's go to some some exciting news from the northeast hey now mm. walking around the neighborhood with plover strapped on oh that means homeboy's free so there you go on the cinnamon roll debate i've been up to Gainesville. great little place Maine is known for delicious things. It goes without saying. However, if you're in the middle of, and you find the, the, arguably the best bakery in the world, holy Jimmy, watch yourself. I ate a half a sheet pizza there. Anywho, peace and love. I don't know if anyone's uh, mentioned, but uh, the roll call's changed. If, any, uh, if anyone wants to speak to such things. <laughs> but uh, hey now, rock on, be good, all that fun stuff. So Bear Peace Sweats is doing well. Peace, Peace and love. love. But he was talking about love. the cinnamon rolls, Sounds right? Like he, and and the sheep pizza. pizza. Yeah. And if you remember on the last show, someone called in and said the trail show should discuss the cinnamon rolls at the Orange Cat Cafe in Maine versus the, what's the, the other Heacon bakery? bakery. The Stahican Bakery. And we talked about like location. They're both kind of at the end of the trail, blah, blah, blah. And I did some research after the show and discovered that uh, Bear Sweats, Tough Broad, Peanut Piglet, and Plover live pretty close to that bakery. So I had tasked, yeah, the one in Maine. So we tasked them on the last show to maybe go try out those cinnamon rolls. But I don't think they have yet. I mean, if they have, they should probably do it again. Yeah, because that wasn't clear. Mm -hmm. And we need to report. Yeah, gotta hear about this this ha- this half-eaten sheet pizza too. I think That's, was he saying he did that at the Stahican Bakery? Very so. very mysterious. So. He ate half half a sheet of pizza. Yeah. What happened to the other half? Mm. Maybe I'm he could only afford half sure because back in the it. day you had to pay cash. Pack it in, so. pack it out. Huh. You know. I hope I'd like, to, I'd like to hear more. Maybe next month. Our, our other call, another call we got is is really is I think it's going to warm all our hearts. So. Hey. Just wanted to thank you guys for always bringing a smile to my face. I had a crappy day at work, finishing up my 170 miles of driving. Just wanted to say thanks. I appreciate you guys bringing a smile to my face every month. Wow. Hmm. Is that 170 miles of driving every day to work? Is that his commute? Apparently. Oh. I wonder if I know who that is. Or if he he drives while he works. Yes. Like, you know, does like multiple stops. And I think I I may know who that is. And listener, if you, then you have also brought a smile to my face on many, many occasions. It's super nice to hear from folks. Um, He did call back to explain a little bit more. I just heard all the singing at the end of the last episode, and I take everything I said back. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man. What were we singing? Who, who was singing at the land of the last show? Who would sing on this show? I don't know. We sung something. I, I forget what it was. Last show, it was uh big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Texas. Yeah. Before that, I thought it was deep in the heart of Dixie. And I was before that it was that terrible Grandma Gatewood song. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Dilo's thing. I hate that's horrible. Dilo, how's your collarbone doing? It's fine, man. I'm just rubbing it. It's a little sore. Hmm. Yeah. Some lingering, some residual. Oh, there's totally resi- re- lingering residual weirdness in my shoulder, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I do. I do. I can do everything. Move. You don't need, and anyway, you don't need your shoulder to hike, just your legs. Yeah, and your feet. Just your legs. Yeah. I use, I mean, I, I can do everything. It's just a little sore right here. That's all. Okay. Oh, I got a story. I hear a fun story. Yeah. Please. This is a fun story. Took my neighbor <clears throat> up to uh, Eldora two weeks mm-hmm. ago. We had a, I was going up with a friend of mine. I said, neighbor, why don't you come join us? And I, my neighbor joined us. So there's three of us in the car who go up to Eldora. Um, <clears throat> and it's a, it's a decent day. There was, I don't know, maybe seven inches of snow the day before, but it hadn't snowed in a week or so. So it was pretty hard underneath all that snow, but it was, it was good. Dust was, on crust. Well, dust was, on crust. You know, it was like seven inches on crust. It wasn't dust, but anyways, conditions are pretty good. We were having a fun time, but it was brutally cold. So my neighbor who was on skis, the two of us were on snowboards, was like, I got to keep going because it's so cold. So he just wanted to ski fast, stay warm. That's That was his prerogative. So we didn't really see him for a couple hours. We we're only up there for three hours. Two hours later, we're on our last run. My friend and I were going up the main chairlift. We looked down. My, my, friend, says to, my friend says to me, that looks like your, uh, your buddy over there sitting down on the trail. And the woman on the chairlift next to us says, he's been down there for 15 minutes. I sure hope somebody comes to help him soon. And I kind of look over and I'm like, oh, yeah, I I can't really. I need glasses to see far. But I look over and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think that is him. So we come down. We find him on this trail. And he's kind of at the bottom of this very steep black diamond run with lots of moguls and things. Wait a minute. Are we talking about skiing? Yeah, and it right, turns out that down. he took he took a gnarly fall. His skis submerged. He was trying to do a little jump. The tips of his skis submerged. He was pitched forward, took a big slam. I guess he was going quite fast. And by the time we came down to find him, the ski patrol was already there and taking him down. But uh, he broke his collarbone, oh, like oh. I did a year ago. But in addition to breaking his collarbone, he also broke he also broke five ribs oh my god yes so he got Ooh. pretty busted up on Dude. that day and i feel a little bit to blame because i texted him the night before and i'm like hey you want to go skiing with us tomorrow oh, man. he's like yeah sure i was gonna go here there you know but i'll go with you that's great let's carpool so i feel a little bit bad because i took him up there and he took that spill and it was like at the end of his day too it was the end of our three hours in the brutal cold once again, D'Lo, you're leading people to a path of ruin. I am. I actually am. It's, I told uh, you about. I told you about taking my my past coworker out for a mountain bike ride in the fall, and he he had a complex. Uh, he had a compound dislocation of his pinky. Ooh, does that oh mean God. that bone was poking <laughs> out of skin? Ew, <laughs> on his pinky. That's what that means. Did you I see it? Found it off at that oh, point. I sure saw it. All right, I saw it. All right, yeah, yeah. What'd you guys do? So we were on a little. We were on a mountain bike ride. I've been trying to get this guy to go ride with me for weeks, months. Finally, joins me. Him and his friend. We're on North Table Mountain in Golden, 
-hmm. there's only one stretch of the trail on North Table Mountain that's like a little bit too hard for me to ride. And I always just walk it. And and I told these guys, I was like, hey, I always just walk this stretch. Yeah. We ride the stretch and he just goes for it because a lot of people ride it. It's not hard, um, but it's too hard for me. So I just walk it. I'm too old to do stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I, I pull over and he goes for it and then he takes a fall off the side of the trail. We go, Hey, you're all right. He's like, no, I think I, no, I think I broke my finger. <laughs> he's like, he's like showing you bones. He, he like shows, he pulls up, he pulls up his glove, and he's he's got his his bone oh. sticking out of the bottom of his pinky. So he like jammed oh. his pinky down, oh. and it, it it didn't break any bones, but it just pushed the bone out through the skin at the like oh. at the top of the palm of your hand. Oh, it was gnarly. It was just like a bone sticking out of the bottom of your pinky. You're just like. <laughs> whoa dude so he was and it didn't break no it didn't break he was all in shock and he he had to sit down he was feeling woozy and then he kind of you know after five ten minutes drank some water ate a little food we all walked out he he was walking his bike at the end he was in he was in fine spirits at the end but it was just like oof, man dude yeah that's not okay none of that's okay (laughs) Yep. All right, let's um. <laughs> no hiking, no, no biking. Maybe no you should skiing. just stay. Maybe people should just stay, stay on away the trail. From me. Yeah, just stay away from me. All right, all right. If I ask you to go do something, you should probably just say no. Just yeah, just stay away. All right. With that, I'm going to read a letter from Stephen Hood. Uh, we're going in the mailbag right now. We got a. I think this is the only letter we got. Pod. Yeah, begin. I think so. Okay, very good. So Stephen Hood writes in, "Dear Trail Show, please have." Please. <laughs> oh boy. No, you read it right. It's just it's okay, weird. okay, okay. Um <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do some editing on the fly here. Dear Trail okay. Show, please read the following with a southern accent. Since I'm from Georgia, and that will help me better hear you. If Disco has any repressed southern accent left, I'd like to volunteer him. Okay, so this is Disco here. I'm gonna give this a shot here. It's me again, and well, I have shame. I have to confess <laughs> I haven't spent a night in my hammock next to a trail since the beginning of the pandemic. That's right, the man, the myth, the legend you've never heard of uh, has a well aired out, aired outed, I don't know, sleeping bag, baby soft feet. My trail runners are even more cutting grass green than Mud Falcon Brown. Now, I haven't been off still. I've been busting out serious mileages here on North Georgia trails, three to seven miles at a time, once or twice a week. That's right. High mile days, read them and weep. That was until a month ago when Mama Rona came a call and been fully vaxxed and all had about four days of mild cold symptoms, but great 5G signal. It passed without too much (laughs) trouble, but Rona left me with a lingering cough and a rattle for another three weeks. Today, my lungs fully clear for about the last week. Call nature stirred in my soul. Said, mountains are calling. Live, laugh, love. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. I harnessed up my puppy, picture attached for all, and hit the trail. Now, it was just still another day hike and all, but cursed the day hike would be. I huffed and puffed my way up two very large hills. Knowles, if I'm honest. Cows and thighs burning all the two miles in an hour. Couldn't go another step. Oof. Coming to the conclusion of my book or letter, I have a question. Have you yourself 
or have you heard of fellow hikers having Mama Rona or another cold knock the wind out of their daggone chest? I've been jogging just fine, but man, did a moderate incline knock the crap out of me. Also, I'm from California. I just live in Georgia. I just thought the accent would be funny. Thanks for reading my run-on sentences loud. Love, Steve, not writing that long-ass trail name, Hood. P.S. I never listed trail show. P.W.S. What do you think of my dog? I think he's awesome. So he did send us a picture of his dog, and um, I will share that with you all later. I don't have it with me now, but um, I think there was a question in there somewhere. Did have have any hikers had the coronavirus and had lingering effects, and uh, how did they deal with it? I, I to my knowledge, I I've never tested positive for it. I may or may not have had it at the very beginning of the pandemic, as Stephen said in his letter. Um, but I can't really speak to it. Bod. Uh, I don't know. I might have COVID right now. I tested today with the you molecular tested yesterday test. and today. Yeah, and they were both negative. But sometimes, you know, other teachers at my school have tested four days in a row with symptoms, and it wasn't until day four that they showed up positive. So, Ooh. I had a friend who had it, um, and he had um, he got it early on. No, maybe not not too early, but like eight months into the pandemic, he got his whole family got it. Fall of 2020, I suspect. And uh, I think he had, actually it was winter 2020. He had it, he had some lingering symptoms for a while. Lost yeah. his sense of taste and then had some, the lingering mm. symptoms and definitely impacted his lung. His lung capacity was impacted for a good month or so afterwards. Wow. He's fine yeah. now though. He's I mean, it, it really, it depends on, each person is different. I yeah. mean, I have a friend who has a friend up in Steamboat who's an uber athlete and has permanent lung damage from COVID. You know, she's super mm -hmm. healthy, but so. I mean, I feel like I've had um, difficulty breathing af after having like a really bad cold or flu yes. in the past, like pre pre COVID. Yes. Just, but, but it's always worked itself out mm -hmm. over time. I mean, I got pneumonia once and yeah. Even after the coughing stopped, I, for probably five weeks, couldn't really run. Yep. I know that since the pandemic has happened, I, I'm not able to smoke nearly as much marijuana as I used to. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't get it? There's a supply shortage? It's all stuck on the docks? Hilo, I, I nominate you to hike the GR420. I mean, <laughs> if there's ever a trail on this planet that has your name on it, it's the GR420. Actually, I have, France, an, I, I have an event to... Uh, to plan for this april 20th oh yeah if i don't slack i'll talk about it on the next show uh, okay perfect yeah are you going to the uh gone jarnival <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well never mind we'll talk about that later <laughs> uh, no. i don't want to sidetrack so. yeah let's let's stay on track here it's almost nine o'clock we gotta yes Come yeah, on, let's PUD, did we have any episode. donations this month we did you ready for the roll call Please. Some people might say. Okay, we've got gummy bear, not fuss, pisco, the smoke it cotton mouth, pink sign, bowl of pasta as big as your Forget about it. celebration, quality, Vermont, Vermont. What a guy. the weekend, the hustler, hustler. the brute, hey. she-ra, the haggis addict, she got out honeydew, nut tim, meat popsicle, pecker, lost ball, Barbara. adequate. Lovely. 
Red I need to put that, move that so it says adequate and then pecker. Anyway, uh, the switch in the big Sisu Felipe, Geode, Robin, Sheboygan Brewing, Die Bama Die, How, Rustwater, Mule, Nuclear Farmer, Narmer, Robber, Fun Dips, Kill Bill, DP, The God Molecule, Caboose, Phantom, The Hooch, True Love, Iron Triangle, Pocket Protector, Terminator, Stingray, Maverick, El Haikador, Haikador, Tangent, Piper, Leocri, Flash. And we have our one-offs. One-offs. Chris and Katsi Harding. Hurting cats. Wait a minute. Yes. Chris and Katsi? Yes. What? Yes. That's awesome. These are some folks that we met on the TRO and hiked with for a bit. And saw them again in Germany when we were there last. Amazing. A couple of um, years ago. Yes, the weekend sent us beer and grapefruits. And beery grapefruit Grapefruity beer. Which we all enjoyed, right? Yep, including uh, Thomas Triplet E. Mm. And SKT reinstated. SKT. Yes. Maybe. And also... <laughs> Kristen Fancy Mac Whitehurst from España. Oh, nice. She's donated before. Thank you, Fancy Mac. Yes. All right, we're going to take our last break. When we come back, we've got an audio clip from Skittles. We've also got Ask a Hiker with D-Lo. Don't go anywhere. not a chance and i never listen to the trail show all right folks we've got an audio update from our trail show ambassador richard skittles larson who is hiking the 5,000 mile uh snowbird route from key west to the northern angle of minnesota let's see where skittles is hey trail show this is skittles um out here in the rain in georgia but since i've become a weather wimp I'm uh, actually at a friend's house in Atlanta right now, hanging out with Stride and their husband Hunter and their kids Acre and Wilder, taking a day off. Um, there were heavy thunderstorms last night that rolled through, and tonight it's supposed to rain at least an inch of rain overnight. Um, then I'll get back on the trail tomorrow. I have made it to Georgia, um, finished the Penhody Trail in Ala- the Alabama portion anyways, and. I have to say the Penhody in Alabama is a really nice trail. It's well-maintained, not that many people out there. There's a few shelters that you can stay in, um, lots of water, and there's a few hostels and a few people that kind of help out on the trail. So I really enjoyed my time on there. Got to meet uh, Nimble Will Nomad. He's the caretaker now down at Flag Mountain. and. That's where he started his Bama to Baxter hike last year when he became the oldest AT hiker. So listen to a bunch of his stories. Otherwise, I had help before that on the road walk from um, my friend Beth and then from Disco and his dad. 
Yeah. So that was cool. And coming up here, I'll have the Smokies in about two weeks. And I have a few other friends that I think I'm going to be meeting along the way. Um, Love Barge and Recess and Wildcat. What? I uh, got to hike for about five days with a, another hiking friend one day. So this has been kind of fun to be able to meet people along the way as I'm hiking. Um, it was pretty hot last week, but the storm front's going to cool it off, which I like. So it'll be nice and cool again. Um, I actually had a few dogs on, there's a small roadwalk section that I finished just coming into Georgia and there are a few dogs there that made for interesting experiences. And also, <laughs> speaking of dogs, I got to meet um, dog skittles on this last stretch. Uh, there's a hiker named Pseudo Sloth who's hiking southbound with her dogs Prima and Skittles. Uh, earlier this year, she hiked the entire CDT with her two dogs. She's got an incredible Instagram video compilation of that trail. But anyways, her little dog Skittles is a border terrier, so I got to meet dog Skittles and take some pictures. <laughs> but anyways, everything is going well on the snowboard, and I will talk to you next week. Skittles. How about that rain? Yeah, it was raining hard. Also, did he, say, did he list one of the people he was hanging out with as pseudo sloth husband, husband pseudo. hunter or something like that? I don't know. Oh, I didn't catch I, that one. I, I think I think he was just saying the husband's name was Hunter, but yeah, mm. husband uh, hunter. Okay. actually kind of sounds <laughs> okay. like a, a trail name. Yeah, that's what a I was great like, trail okay. name. That would be a really good trail name. That, would that be person a really would good be very name. popular. Yeah. On yeah. trails. Yes, they They're were. They're chasing the boys. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> Skittles. Yeah, that sounded his... like a very uh, southeastern rain. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It sounded like more some... like a waterfall. Yep. So he's he's on his third state now, right? Georgia, Alabama. No, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. And I don't think he'll be in Georgia that long. And then I'll be in North Carolina. And then who knows? Before we get into Ask a Hiker with Dilo, so while I was down in Alabama with Skittles, I, I got actually got some bad news. So Skittles and I hiked the Grand Enchantment Trail together back in 2014, and we met a really cool trail angel on the GET. Um, Pot Liquor was his trail name. He also went by B.D. Wren. He went by Billy Wyman. Um, he, he lived in Mountaineer, which is kind of more towards the Albuquerque end of the GET, and he hosted Skittles and I for a night and he was, uh, he worked for the national park service at some local ruins and gave us like the full tour of the Abo ruins and tons of, of really cool rock art. And BD Wren was a really cool cat. And I just found out belatedly that BD Wren and a friend of his went on a, a bike ride outside Mountaineer in the fall of 2019. And were both hit by an SUV BD Wren's friend, um, suffered uh, a lot of trauma and damage to his back. I think he had broken vertebra and things of that nature. BD Wren actually was killed on impact. And I I don't know, it just hit me like a, a, a wall of bricks because, you know, that, that was a really cool person. He was a cool cat. And POD and I had the, we had the pleasure of being able to host BD Wren, when he came up the hike sections of the Colorado Trail, uh, we hosted him there in Salida. And, you know, it just, they were doing everything right. I, I, I kind of dug into what happened. They had um, really bright colored uh, bicycle vests on. They were road cycling on the shoulder. Um, 
they had mirrors on their bikes. They knew the car was coming up and the car was just riding really close to the shoulder and unfortunately hit both of them and um, Beatty ran past. But it also seems like it was really likely that this person was on their phone. It's not, it's unclear. Um, And so I just want to say like, Disco and I know of two incidences in the very recent past where it seems like somebody was on their phone and they hit someone and killed them. So I'm going to use this as a plug to say, please don't. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, phones are addictive as hell and, you know, none of us are immune, but if, if there's a way you can just not look at it or put it down, like, especially when you're on a two lane highway in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, and the road shoulders, barely any size at all. Like there's people out biking, you know, there's tons of, and this isn't the first road cyclist I've known personally that has died um, by being hit by a vehicle. Like, and, and, and I'll just say, if you do, if you are a road cyclist, be careful as hell. Don't make any assumptions. Like even if you're doing everything right than they were, uh, anyway, BD Rim was a, was an awesome human and he will be missed with that. Uh, I don't quite know how to segue into ask a hiker Delo, but, uh, did you get any questions this month? Maybe. <laughs> Did you get, I, I see on the, on the sheet, it says you got 38 questions. No, I just got one. I have one. Okay. Question. Very good. Here we go. One question. Hello, d Over the years, I have gotten more into winter backpacking, gradually learning how to stay warm in different wintry conditions, but not without some epic fails and lessons learned along the way. I would appreciate it if you guys could share some stories about getting too cold on a hiking trip and what you learned from it. Thank you, Mike. Scouts honor, pronounce it any way you like, Matthias. Except for that way. Yeah. Except for that way. No, I chose to pronounce it any way I like. <laughs> Besides, I think he wants us to call to call him. Pronounce it any way you like. I see. Yeah, that's his new, new trail name. name? Okay. Not, no longer Scouts honor. Now he is pronounce it any way you any like. Way you like. Okay. Hey, nice to meet you. I'm pronounce it any way you like. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I agree. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with my start answer. Start us to this off, one. Here's what I do. I sleep with bottles of urine. <laughs> <laughs> you pack what? them. You pack them in with you. you take them home. Put them in your backpack. In. Hell yeah! Actually, no, I dump them out on the way out. You know, because it's just urine. But <clears throat> I save my urine during the day. And I pack it at the bottom of my pack. And I use one of these old thick Nalgene's, you know, and I pee in it throughout the day. And by the time the day is done, I should have enough urine accumulated in there to kind of like feel like a ball of warmth in my sleeping bag. And so I use a 32 ounce Nalgene bottle filled with urine in my sleeping bag and all will be good as long as it doesn't leak. If it leaks, that's crucial. There are problems. Yeah, there's so big that's problems. that's yeah that's my uh, that's my trail tip. Sleep with the Nalgene. Well, he wasn't a- your... asking for trail tips. He's asking for stories about oh. getting too cold. Oh yeah, so yeah. I I, yeah, so, I guess like less like yeah, okay. you know what you learned when you oh what I learned was trail tips threw the top on tightly. That's what I learned. Yeah, yeah, of your bottle of urine. 
So, but actually, since I live in Boulder, I actually will buy urine at the store and sometimes, uh, you know, pack it in and pack it in with me. And then I don't feel bad about dumping it out. Yeah, organic urine. Well, the great thing is, yeah, if you get the locally sourced chakra balanced uh, organic urine, you can chug a liter as you're heading out. And then later that night, you pee it back out into a bottle and then it's you know, it's, what's no. weird about that, I've tried that, P.O.D., but what's really weird is when I drink a liter of urine, I, I rarely, you know, um, produce a liter of urine. It's always like less. I don't hmm. know what the uh, deal is. Interesting. You know? Well, so, wait, we need to go with two liters of urine. Yeah. Uh, by the God. way, it's poison. Tonight's hashtag is hashtag chakra balanced. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes. Well, let me let me speak to um to the letter just a little bit somewhat seriously. So oddly enough, out of all the long distance hiking I've ever done, the coldest night I ever had happened in my first week of long distance hiking ever in Georgia, in the North Georgia mountains on the AT in late March of 1999. I had a night and it got down to 11 degrees. And I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the gear or the, I didn't have the, the, the tricks. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the wisdom. I didn't have the knowledge to deal with an 11 degree night. So I think I had a 20 degree bag. It was 11 degrees. And not only that, the shelter I was staying at was full. So me and my buddy Titus were sleeping on the, on the gravel floor in front of the shelter. Luckily though, there was an overhang. So we were actually kind of under a roof. We were just on the gravel. And um, I, I was tarp camping, oddly enough, even in 1999. So I just wrapped up in my tarp like a burrito. And it, it turned into like a vapor barrier situation. Again, I didn't even know what a vapor barrier was. But bottom line, I stayed warm that night. Although the next morning, when I unfurled my, um, my burrito tarp, everything was soaked. Like completely soaked. The tarp was soaked. The top of my sleeping bag was soaked. I think I'd even sweated a bit. And luckily for me, it was a sunny day and I was able to dry stuff out. Um, Doesn't that just make your all your stuff wet as you just mentioned? Oh, it was. It was yeah. very it wet. It keeps yeah. you warm during the moment. But yep. Uh. But there's there's a price to pay. Now, if that following day had been like rainy or cold or overcast, I could have been in a bad situation the following night if my stuff hadn't dried out. But luckily it was sunny and it all worked out. So I don't know. I don't know if that's like be warned situation yeah. or em- embrace what I did situation. I don't know. The pro tip is to not let yourself get cold. So like yep. <clears throat> start off with all your layers. Um, when you're hiking in the morning, start off overdressed and then pull, pull layers off as you warm up and be very judicious about stopping to take off layers as you warm up to kind of maintain that body temperature. Another interesting thing I've seen people do when their hands and their fingers get cold is they swing them around. Yes. I do that. Oh with yeah. You know, I just That's did a, that the other day when yeah. I was shoveling snow. Like arm circles, around, arm circles to get that. Yeah, because blood. when, when you're, when your extremities get cold, what's happening is you're, body draws the blood into the core to maintain body functions so it draws the blood out of your fingers and toes to be more efficient so if you windmill your arms like 35 times you got to swing them real hard not not just like the the blow-up man at the car dealership you actually have to do the full windmill full windmill 
Hashtag. Yeah. I'm writing that yep. down. Hashtag then, full windmill. Hashtag full windmill. Then it will force the blood back into your fingers. So hmm. some of those pro tips. It's not a long-term solution, but no, no. it can work short-term. Like if you need the dexterity to no. set up your tent or the, put a there, tent stake through your foot or whatever. There's been a night or two where burn I have, your jeans. I quick, have <laughs> quick burn your up. jeans. I got my hands well, warm enough to burn my jeans. There's Good always enough. the burn your jeans method. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, Let's not discount that. But I've also done sit-ups at like 3 a.m. to generate yeah. heat. Push ups. Push it. Well, I didn't actually want to get out of my sleeping bag, so like <laughs> it's a little easier to do sit-ups while still in the sleeping bag. And uh, I've only had to do that like twice in my life. So, but that, that will generate some heat. It's only temporary though. You might get a, maybe like 30 minutes to an hour out of a set of sit-ups. So, but if you need it, it mm. it's there. Eat a little chocolate. Chocolate. Mm. Or something Choc else. Yes, like a when dense I, energy. Chocolate. We were in New Mexico on the CDT. It was very cold in the canyons at night. And I packed in little bags of cashews that I would eat right before bed because the cashews mm. have very high calorie density. It was like a little extra fuel just to help my body stay warm. A lot of fat, mm -hmm. a lot of fat and some cashews. Cause I'm so skinny. That's right. <laughs> Hashtag chakra balance. <laughs> uh, any other tips for staying warm on a cold night? The worst I ever had it was right after I hiked the AT, like a year later, two years later, I decided to try and hike the long trail, at least a little little bit of it. And it was way too late in the season. I got caught in a snowstorm, but because I had just hiked the AT and thought I was invincible, I had far too little equipment, <laughs> and like not enough jackets and stuff. So I think one of the things that I've always learned is like, sleeping bag ratings like a slightly heavier sleeping bag is not that much weight like you're talking about a couple of ounces to get yeah. 10 degrees more like that peace of mind of having a slightly better sleeping bag than you need you can always make a sleeping bag cooler by opening it up but you like having one that gives you like a bigger margin of error is very comforting in um as the temperatures drop or as it rains because you know if a sleeping bag gets wet it's not going to be completely useless it's just going to be less useful so if you have a a, mm. a higher temperature a lower temperature rated bag then even if it gets wet it's going to have more of a margin for error and i think always having that at the bottom of your pack knowing that you can get in your sleeping bag and get warm is critical i also yeah. think trying out your sleeping bag in really cold conditions and a situation where you can escape easily if you need to before you're like out you know and you gotta snowshoe out at 2 a.m or something you know yeah mm -hmm. i would also then, throw out there uh real quick um a lightweight down jacket and you can get down jackets now that are like between six and eight ounces a lightweight down jacket with a hood man having that hood will yeah, add a number of cheap. extra degrees if you wear that jacket with the hood inside your sleeping bag or quilt, that'll add a number of extra degrees to, to your comfortable temperature rating. And I think another thing is you don't have to move necessarily. If you're in your sleeping bag in your tent and it's that cold of a day, or if it's super rainy and cold, like you don't necessarily have to get up and move through hikers always are like, Oh, we got to keep going. We got to hike every day. 
But like, if it's dangerous out there, you don't actually have to take down your tent. You can just stay in there yeah. and wait for a better day. I mean, I know food is an issue and as, depending on how much you have for the next, you know, whatever days it's going to take. But, you know, humans are very resilient when it comes to food. So if you're yeah. in a that bad of a situation, remember that you don't actually have to take down your tent. You don't actually have to get up and go in the cold. Yeah. I also throw in, don't camp in valleys. If it's going to be a cold mm -hmm. night, cold air sinks mm. into valleys. You're, <clears throat> you're going to be far warmer if you camp like mid slope or just out, out of the valley. Like even if you get 20 feet above a cold air sink, like a, a stream or a river. Get right, I, think, I think that's enough tips. This is the trail show after all. We can't provide too much. Yeah, it's true. We can't provide too much useful no. information. Okay. So bring bring, a, Let's wrap bring it up. a potty of your choice with you to yeah. snuggle with. That helps in the cold. And, and pack in some urine. Pack in some yep. urine. Yep. urine. I think yeah. going and back to that original. One or the other, though. Probably that. don't bring it. Bring a date and urine. Grass-fed organic. Well, maybe. You know. Maybe. Sure. If they're into it. Two straws. Lots of chakras. Is that it? Did we cover? The, did we get through everything? We did. It's almost. It's nine fifteen. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We went, hours, we went. A, we went a bit hours. long on our trail of the month, but yeah. it's a four thousand mile trail. Like what? Are I you mean, that do? is yeah, it's a pretty wild trail. All right, folks. This is the part of the show where the show ends. We want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Big thanks goes to Dylan Right on Ivans for talking to us about the Trans European Alpine Route, aka the Tear. Many thanks to our hotline callers. You too can be an audio superstar by calling the hotline at 720-893-2269. Big thanks goes to Skittles for giving us that update from the Snowbird route. And last but definitely not least, we want to thank all our monthly donors. You all are the fuel that keeps this podcast chugging along. You too can join our esteemed list trail show vips by heading over to paypal.me slash the trail show or by clicking the paypal button at the trail show.com sometimes we are on social media at twitter slash trail show instagram and facebook at the trail show we're on spotify google podcasts apple podcasts and everywhere else you download your favorite shows another trail show has come and gone but don't fret we'll be back in april for our annual 420 Gone Jarnival that is guaranteed <laughs> to be full of beers, trails, and nonsense. <laughs> That's right, Dilo. It's our 420 Gone Jarnival, which is happening on April 20th. And I hope you'll be there. I might have plans. <laughs> okay, very good. Until then, I'd like to leave you with some words from Ukrainian President. Vladimir Zelensky. Let's build a country of opportunities where everybody's equal before the law, where the rules of the game are honest and transparent, and the same for everyone. It's a victory when the weapons fall silent and people speak up. For POD, DLO, Triple O, and Right On, I'm Disco. Ciao. Ciao. Uh, oh. Ciao. <laughs> Is that a show? I think so. What are we going to sing at the end of this one? Nothing, because they didn't like it the last time. Why, do, why didn't they like it? Did you when has that stopped us? <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm not feeling very cheerful right now. I had a couple downers in there tonight. Um, it's all right. 
it's no, a pretty I think serious. It's good, good messages to get. You out. didn't bring me down. I just don't feel like singing. Yeah, and I'm P- sick. So Pod didn't feel like singing before we started the show. I, was I encouraged her to make some coffee. Actually, which I did. I've had yeah. quite a bit. For now me, I, I, I just and now I'm ready to... for bed. What? <laughs> my neighbor's my neighbor's getting his collarbone operated on tomorrow. Another collarbone situation. The, the, the guy I talked about earlier. The guy I talked oh, about earlier. He's oh, your okay. neighbor. Like, <laughs> he's my neighbor. He lives like. Yeah, remember yeah. he asked yeah. him to go. No, no, no. I, no, I, I, I didn't realize broke his collarbone. You weren't listening. It's okay. It's I didn't realize neighbor. he lived in your neighborhood. Oh, I knew it was your two buddy. Doors, two doors down. Oh. No, I was with a friend and my neighbor. Ah. Uh, I'm sorry to be callous, but I'm kind of a callous person, so. If I had a half a sheet pizza there. That's right. High mile days. Read them and weep. Mountains are calling. Live, laugh, love.